Good morning and good afternoon. The divided states. The divided states of America is what I've called them for as long as I can remember. I've said this because in my belief, there's nothing united about this country except its division. Not simply divided by the divisional lines of demarcation, but cultures, religions, ethnicities, races, beliefs, levels of income, and politics. Don't get me wrong, diversity can be a good thing, except when the few of power and privilege use that diversity adversely against those that are diverse and weaponize the division. The country has been divided since and before the cruise of 1619. The divided states were divided during the 100 years of Jim Crow and the 246 years of slavery that divided us. With slavery, the country was and is and has been divided. There were those then and now that believed that slavery was an abomination. And there are those that don't think it was a bad thing at all. There are some well-spoken politicians elected to office that have said the slaves were fed well and had stable work. Yes, that's been said. As preposterous and ridiculous as that sounds, it exists in today's world, in the 21st century. Slavery was not just a Southern cancer. So don't fool yourself into believing that. Slavery became an institution that was part of the fabric of this country. And the division was sewn in with the years that followed. In 1789, in addition, slave owners were comforted by the Constitution. Not because it mentioned slavery. It never did. Nor did it have to. With the three-fifths clause in effect. In essence, in the Constitution, as Negroes, we are only three-fifths human, or we don't count, at least in the eyes of the privileged and the empowered. Are we whole today? Well, you tell me. With that, there was free reign for the slave owner from 1619 until 1865. Slavery was a cog in the machine that made America work. Slavery was an integral part of how America grew into the country that it is today. By the way, that little factoid was not covered by any history books that I read growing up in the South Bronx in New York City, nor the fact that there were 16 states designated as slave states from the 1600s until the emancipation roughly 246 years. The states were Texas, Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, Virginia, the Carolinas, Missouri, Delaware, West Virginia, Georgia, and Florida. There were 14 states that were recognized as Jim Crow states from 1865 until 1965, 100 years. And they were Oklahoma, Texas, Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, Tennessee, Mississippi, 
Kentucky, Virginia, the Carolinas, Georgia, Alabama, and Florida. Let's go back to 1492, when the Italian terrorists sailed the ocean blue. Christopher Columbus arrives in Native America to take the country away from the Native Americans, the so-called red man, who were, by the way, considered red. They were of a different color than Chris and his minions, which by their account, they had the right to take whatever they wanted. In this instance, the red man was the victim of the terrorists and history tells us, if we are listening, that pigment plays a pivotal role in life and in warmongering. Pigment, in addition, has always been a linchpin, pardon that word, if you will, with this country for longer than I can remember. But history is truth-telling. In my opinion, there were six wars that pigment played a role. The first was in 1812. It ended in 1815, which in short, was the war that can be easily characterized as the war between the, between the cowboys and so many Indians. Since there were more Native Americans fighting alongside the British against the Americans, or as like I like to call it, the cowboys who invaded a country where Native Americans, people of color, were living peacefully, that had help from the British, that had weapons that could rival the whites. Their land taken by those devoid of color. The second was in 1861, the war between <coughs> the states. In 1861 until 1865, or as I like to call it, those that wanted slavery to flourish and those that felt it was an aberrant travesty, but also knew, as President Lincoln knew, that slavery wasn't only the horrible thing that it was, but it was also rooted in economics, and not his feelings about the Negroes and slavery. Especially since he felt that equality between the whites and the blacks or Negroes was a foregone illusion and not a conclusion. I cite that because of this. On November 19, 1863, Abraham Lincoln delivered what he considered to be a few appropriate remarks at the dedication of a cemetery at the Gettysburg Battlefield in Pennsylvania to a crowd of about 15,000 people. President Lincoln spoke for less than three minutes. There are no photographs of the speech because Lincoln gave the address before the photographers were set up. The speech itself was less than 300 words, yet Pulitzer Prize winning Civil War historian James M. McPherson has argued it was the foremost statement of freedom and democracy and the sacrifices required to achieve and defend them. End quote. Who did Abraham Lincoln include in the promises laid out in the Gettysburg Address? Who were the people in this government of the people, by the people, and for the people? Question. Was Lincoln proposing a more inclusive concept of men that recognized the full humanity of blacks, non-Christians, and possibly even, dare I say, women? Maybe not. Answering these questions requires that we examine Lincoln's words and actions both before and after the Gettysburg Address. A first clue to what Lincoln believed comes from a series of debates when Abraham Lincoln 
and Stephen Douglas were campaigning to be selected by the state legislature of Illinois as a United States Senator. On September 18, 1858, at Charleston, Illinois, Lincoln told the assembled audience, oh, by the way, this is from Honest Abe, credited with freeing the slaves and considered to be the great emancipator. I quote, I am not nor ever have been in favor of bringing about in any way the social and political equality of the white and black races. That I am not nor ever have been in favor of making voters or jurors of Negroes, nor of qualifying them to hold office, nor to intermarry with white people. And I will say in addition to this, that there is a physical difference between the white and black races, which I believe will forever forbid the two races from living together on terms of social and political equality. I will add to this that I have never seen, to my knowledge, a man, woman, or child who was in favor of producing a perfect equality, social and political, between Negroes and white men. End quote from the Greater Emancipator. The third moment of pigmented reality was in December of 1941, that famous date of infamy, that the pigment thing, the divided states were attacked by the Japanese on December 7th, 1941. And yes, that was wrong. And as a country, there had to be a response. But the pigmentation cannot be denied, along with the racial epithets, sad. And the fourth was in 1950 and the Korean conflict. The enemy was North Korea and they were called disparaging names. And yes, I know they were the enemy, but was that really necessary? That were related to color. The fifth was Viet the Vietnam War against North Vietnam, North Vietnam from 1955 until 1975. In the Vietnam War, I believe Muhammad Ali one of my champions, said it best with one of his reasons for not going to war, besides his religion. He said, and I quote, Why should they ask me to put on a uniform and go 10,000 miles from home and drop bombs and bullets on brown people in Vietnam while so-called Negro people in Louisville are treated like dogs and denied simple human rights? No, I am not going 10,000 miles from home to help murder and burn another poor nation simply to continue the domination of white slave masters of the darker people the world over. This is the day when such evils must come, much, must come to an end. I have been warned that to take such a stand would put my prestige in jeopardy and could cause me to lose millions of dollars, which should accrue to me as the champion. But I have said it once and I will say it again. The real enemy of my people is right here. I will not disgrace my religion, my people, or myself by becoming a tool to enslave those who are fighting for their own justice, freedom, and equality. If I thought the war was going to bring freedom and equality to 22 million of my people, they wouldn't have to draft me. I'd join tomorrow. But I either have to obey the laws of the land or the laws of Allah. I have nothing to lose by standing up for my beliefs. So I'll go to jail 
We've been to jail for 400 years. End quote, Muhammad Ali. The sixth and current conflict that we are in currently is not any different than the others. In 2001, the World Trade Center was bombed by pilots from Saudi Arabia or Iran or Afghanistan. Depending on who you talk to and or who you believe, people of color and they were people of color and were called names that were and are and are similar to names the Americans that say used for black people who were born and raised here. They call those from the Middle East sand. Insert the N word for those not privy to such niceties. Stay tuned for part two of these divided states.